Hello and welcome to the Nature Jobs podcast. I'm Julie Gould. Big data. Think Facebook, think Google flu trends from 2009 or the massive volumes of data coming from the Human Genome Project or the Large Hadron Collider's computers. These vast volumes of data are being produced in many different industries. But with big data comes big responsibility and also some big problems. Digital Science recently ran a social media hashtag called Data Dramas, asking people to share their experience with losing large volumes of data when it comes to doing science. There were some terrifying responses and I definitely recommend that you check them out on Twitter. But here at Nature Jobs, we've also been running our own poll asking you where you store your scientific data. And at the time of this recording, your laptops and PCs seem to be the favourite storage location. This is followed closely by the external hard drives and then the good old-fashioned notebook. So to discuss these results and get some more insights into the big data, big problems and how to manage them, I'm joined by Susanna Asunta Sanson, the Associate Director of the University of Oxford e-Research Centre. And she is also a data consultant and honorary academic editor for Scientific Data an open access data publication platform from Nature Publishing Group that is launching this month. So hi, Susanna. Hello, hi, Julie. Thanks for inviting me. And thank you very much for finding some time to have a chat with me. How would you define big data? It's certainly what people refer to big data, it's size and definitely volume. Although from my point of view, it's also variety and complexity. So data, it's multidimensional. You have video, you have audio files, you have text files, you have physical actually specimens which you have recorded information about. So there is a lot of diverse data type. By the way, I'm a biologist by training. So for me, science, personally, it's life sciences. So biological, environmental and more biomedical data, which I'm really working with. How do scientists currently manage all of this? Because I, I imagine that for each of these different fields, even within the biological sciences, they have different ways of managing this data. So you have different tools that work for different data type and you have different enablers like terminology or format, you know, data file, data type, they work for different data types. That could be quite confusing then for, for people coming into the biological sciences yes. now. Are there any general tools that scientists can use across all disciplines in life sciences? Well, if you ask biologists what the tool they use most, they will tell you Excel. The good old Excel. Well, the good old Excel. So the point is, it's better than nothing. But there are better tools nowadays, and, and there are tools which enable you to collect information. There are other tools that move this data into an analysis pipeline for you to do analysis. There are other tools that help you to store the information and run queries. So it's not just one solution that works for whole, and there is not just one tool. So nowadays, the young scientists need to be able to understand that there are different tools out there that can help them in the different tasks. The traditional biologist is no longer just a biologist. They're also becoming data managers. Absolutely. And if they are not data managers themselves, they should work with people that have such an expertise and get help for that. So nowadays, it's it's a really collaborative environment. You can't do the task just yourself. So is there a possibility then perhaps that 
these young biological scientists who then need to learn to manage all of this data become data managers themselves. Absolutely. I think there is an incredible need of uh, data managers, so data curators, that's what we call them. Uh, actually, I am a biologist turned into a data manager, data curator. That's actually what I've done. That's actually my career path. And to be honest, at the time, there were many courses to go to and to learn. So I learned by actually doing data curation myself, working with developer. And then, then I had a team with developer and we curator. We actually now do the work for me. But nowadays, well, situation is, of course, changing. Still, there are many courses out there. There are several but not as many as I think there should be. So we do need more data curators. So we really need biologists, which maybe love science, but love to enable other people to do science. And that's what a data curator actually is. But what about data storage? So mm -hmm. let's have a look at the Nature Jobs poll results that we've, we've run. Uh, the question that we asked our listeners and readers was, where do you store your scientific data? And listeners, readers, and everyone who came to the site, you were allowed to choose several of the following. On your laptop PC, on an external hard drive, on a USB stick, on a network attached storage or NAS device, in the cloud, somewhere online, in a notebook or other. So those were all our options. And as of today, we've had a total of 258 votes. And the majority of those, 82 of them, which is about 32%, go to on your laptop or PC. 60 of them, which is about 23.3%, go to on an external hard drive. And third in, as I said earlier, was in a notebook, which had 34 votes, which made up 13.2% of the results. Susanna, what do you make of those numbers? <laughs> well, um, it's shocking to see the result, but it's not surprising. And point is, I mean, long-term data storage and stewardship, it's key. You know, you change job, you drop your computer, you lose your USB key. It's not certain the way to store the data long term. So we, we really need to educate as well scientists that there are public repository out there that are meant for long term storage. I do understand that scientists do not necessarily want to open up the data because they want to explore the data themselves first. So there are also solutions. There are institutional repositories which are being built and there are other solutions for you to start storing the data before you open it up to a public repository, which is sustainable and will assure the long-term stewardship of your data. And of course, there are data publication platforms as well, where the moment you start sharing your data, you get credit for sharing the data. Why do you think then that people are still sticking with the good old laptop, external hard drive and notebook ways of storing data? Well, I'm really hoping that this is a stepwise approach. So they, they're first probably writing the lab book. They then probably move it from the notebook into the laptop hopefully, at least in an Excel spreadsheet, as a starting point. And then they start to explore other way to better store the data for the long term. Now, somebody says here in the cloud, they might be using even Google spreadsheet, which is certainly not a long-term solution, but can be an intermediate one if you try to share, for example, a data with your peers and you don't want any fancy tool. Some people actually, you know, create their own website, their own uh, FTP site where they put the file and that's online, yeah. but it's not sustainable because 
that website can disappear, the person leaves the lab, nobody maintains it. It's the long-term maintenance which is important. Okay. And also because, you know, you don't want this data set to be put somewhere just on their own. You want to be able to put them in the context of related data so that they become more valuable. Because nowadays, I mean, your data set, if you produce it, it's certainly important for you for your study, but linked with, connect to a related data set from your same, I don't know, from the same organism or from the same domain of study, it make your data more relevant if you put in, in, a, in a similar context. Are there specific areas where these data sets can go or are there general repositories that people can put their data as well? In fact, there are generalistic repository like Dryad or like Fixture. Fixture, it's a product of digital science, which is part of Macmillan, which are generalistic repositories. So, Susanna, have you got any golden tips of advice for young scientists coming into the biological sciences at the moment. They really need to think about making their data visible, accessible and reusable, which is not trivial, which is, of course, linked to the concept of managing, better notating and better share your data. So sharing through those dedicated specific databases, it's the best way. Otherwise, you have the generalistic repository. But also it's important to get credit for sharing the data and curating it. And that's why data publication platform are also key here. That's why I really want to mention the Scientific Data, which is, as you just mentioned before, it's the new Nature Publishing Group open access uh, data publication platform. And Scientific Data is particularly focused on data descriptors. So the only content type, it's a descriptor of your data sets which is meant for uh, increasing accessibility, uh, reusability of a data set. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. So that's it for this episode. If you have any comments, thoughts or questions for Susanna, please do leave them in the comments section below on the Nature Jobs blog, or you can use the hashtag NJPodcast on Twitter. And if you want to know more about Nature Jobs, then you can go to blogs.nature.com forward slash Nature Jobs or follow us on Twitter at Nature Jobs or even on Facebook. That's it for now. I'm Julie Gould.